Howdy, and welcome to Grind My Metal Gears. This is episode one. We're actually playing the Metal Gear game, <laughs> finally. I am your host, Austin, joined by my co-host, Danny. Hello. Howdy. Um, we actually did it. We, we played a video game this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, full disclosure, we played up through where you meet Otacon. Uh, this episode, we're, we're going to talk up to where uh, uh, you fight uh, Revolver Ocelot uh, and what happens after that fight. Uh, but before we talk about the game, we did promise last time uh, that we'll give a little bit of like, uh, wh- where, where are we at with uh, stealth action games? We talked about where, mostly where you're at with Metal Gear games, where I'm not at last time. But, uh, um, you know, this is like a stealth action game, so um, it's presumably one would not have to have played a Metal Gear game to play one of those, except <laughs> I basically don't have much experience at all with, like, stealth games. I'm trying to think, like, I haven't played any of the, um, like, the ones people really like, like, um, I haven't really played the, any of the Hitman games, I haven't played any of the, um, oh, what's the guy with, <laughs> with the night vision goggles? Uh, Splinter Cell. <laughs> yeah, Splinter Cell. Uh, or, like, Dishonored, um, I think... Honestly, my biggest uh, probably experience, but also just like a stealth game I have played that I like a lot is, and it's not fully a stealth game, but I really like the stealth sections in the uh, Batman Arkham series, at least the ones that I've played. I haven't played uh, Arkham Knight, but I really like uh, Arkham Asylum and the Predator sequences in in that game. Uh, but my, so my experience with stealth games is fairly limited, which I guess we'll, we'll talk about how the gameplay went over for both of us, uh, as well as story and lore bullshit. But Danny, what is, uh, what's your history with stealth stuff? Oh, you, you rattled off a bunch of series and I was like, loved it. Loved like stealth, stealth games are maybe, maybe my favorite genre. Uh, something about that kind of like being the, the little dude in the shadows and, you know, just kind of getting up to hijinks, uh, just works with me fundamentally. Um, Played all like all the Hitman games. Uh, played most of the Splinter Cell games, um, which I like those more than games like Dishonored, where uh, like the first Splinter Cell game, there are whole levels where if you kill anyone, like that's you, you lose. Like that's it. There is no like oh you can like fight your way out of it. It's just it. And like the kind of thing where if you forget to hide a body, uh, you'll like go for another five or ten minutes, and then the game will be like, "Sam, they found a body," and you're like, "Oh god damn it!" And then you lose, um, which can be frustrating, but in the kind of way where it's like it's you know kind of forcing you into its own design space. Um, where something like Dishonored, it's like yeah, it's like stealthy, but like you can just like shoot your way through everything. Um, and the Hitman games kind of strike a medium where you can blast your way through a level, but like kind of. You really don't really want to. Um, more recent uh, Splinter Cell games uh, are actually kind of cool in the way that they do it, where uh, they basically reward you no matter how you play the game. You can play the game full out assault. You can play the game like completely non-lethal, or you can play the game like stealthy and lethal. And the game rewards you for all three of those, just in different ways. Um, so like that way, it kind of makes you it allows you to choose your own play style um as long as you're prepared for it um so metal gear has always just been another one of those series where um honestly if you look at like the later metal gear solid games uh the gunplay gets good enough that it can be more of an action game but i would call this game almost a straight up stealth game where it kind of desperately does not want you to uh to fight your way through everything, uh, which kind of plays into uh, a question I had for you. 
What difficulty did you uh, play this game at? Wow, you, you preceded my question. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought about it. Um, I definitely wasn't going to do... Is it is it hard? That's the step above normal. I know there's extreme, yeah. but you have to like yeah. beat the game to unlock that or whatever. Um, mm. I knew I wasn't gonna do hard because I was like, I don't want to be like challenged. <laughs> mm. um, which made me think like, well, maybe I'll just pick easy because that's like you know we're we're doing this for the story or whatever. But it's like no, like like especially like this era a game, I felt comfortable that like the normal difficulty wouldn't somehow be like actually kind of hard. That it would be like pretty fairly balanced. So I went with normal. Same. I started off with hard, um, which the biggest difference, uh, you know, along with like damage boosts for the enemies and like less items and stuff, um, is that you don't have the radar. And I was like, you know, I've played this game. I can do that. And I, I haven't played it in a long time. And I forgot how awful the camera is in some instances where you, like, you know, you get to situations where essentially you can't see, but the enemy can see you. Um, you'd have to kind of be, like, constantly going into first-person mode. Um, so after dying in the opening ha uh, hangar over and over <laughs> and over again, I said, you know, I'm okay with doing normal. So I went down to normal, which I'm very glad I did because I probably could have gotten better at stealthing, but being lo any of the locked-in boss fights probably would have made me... Uh, like reset with with normal like i would not have wanted to to do that yep and i first time playing this game uh so far normal difficulty like pretty decent like like a, yep. enough of a challenge that i don't feel like uh the bosses or anything are like way too easy but like not super hard where i'm getting frustrated i think most of the times i died in in this play session were uh, a couple times to bosses it's like i figured them out and um I kept on dying at the part where there's the like invisible uh uh infrared wires that you have to like cross through or whatever. But we'll t we'll talk about that sequence when we get to it, I guess. Um but yeah, I guess I guess that launches us into the game. So you're my guide through the series. So uh uh talk us through what happens first. Yeah, so Snake comes uh he he's swimming up to the to the the port, like the the dock area kind of thing. Um and he contacts uh uh you know his his operators and you know they're kind of giving him the rundown. Uh they see liquid on the the elevator going up um and you just kind of have to find your way in because at this point they don't really know where anyone is, so you have to Make your way to the helipad and then find your way into the hangar. Um, so the game just kind of lets you out. Um, a few little notes along the way that are kind of a metagame thing. Um, I love that Hideo seems to put a lot of uh, emphasis on voice actors because I can't think of many games that um, credit VAs in like the opening uh, credit crawl. Like often there is either not a credit crawl or it's just like the director or whatever. So it's like, oh, good on you. You you know, you're listing off everyone's voice actor and all that. Um, the, the, the game kind of... So when you first load in, you're behind like, uh, like an AC unit or, or something like that that you have to crawl under. And it reminded me of the whole... And I hate this art. It's such a stupid thing. But it like reminds me of like the, the first level of Mario teaches you how to play the game or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's how tutorials work. Tutorial levels work. Um, but this one also does that where it's not telling you necessarily, you know, press X to, to crawl underneath the thing. Like you kind of just figure it out yourself. 
yeah, I think the when I first booted this game up and got control of Snake, I uh, immediately was like, wait a second, and like looked up a um, like a controller diagram for like what all the buttons do, especially because I am not using a actual PlayStation controller, so my controller has uh, like A, B, X, Y buttons instead of the mm. X circle, square, triangle. Um, so having to like mentally map that in my head was like enough of a thing that I just like on my second monitor had um that map open for that controller map open for like a a good chunk of the playthrough um but yeah it's like cool that the game doesn't like spend a lot of time being like all right snake and now you've got to press i mean i guess it does <laughs> there's, there's literally some times where like the kernel will pop in on the codec and just be like um all right snake press the action button to drop down from the shoot you're hiding <laughs> in and then just hangs up like you don't even like respond um but it doesn't like linger on any of those like tutorial stuff. It's just like, oh yeah, here's a piece of information you probably need to know, and then you just keep playing. Well, and and they're like even in game, there are like little things that you know if you if you don't know, like you're you're not gonna know until you do it. Uh, like guards cannot hear your normal footsteps, but if you step into water, which there are multiple puddles in the the beginning area, uh, you. The guards will turn around and go, oh, what was that noise? Because, like, you're walking through something loud. Mm. Same thing with the snow in the next section. It's like, oh, the game is, like, showing you, like, hey, you can't just run through this necessarily. You either need to find another way around or you need to crawl. A couple things. So, so like, this this opening bit you described in the hangar is, like, you know, kind of, the, like, the intro level. There's, there's like, a couple things that happened that stood out to me of, like, there's there's mention of, like, what, what Snake's got on him, uh, which is, like, you know, you, you've got your codec stuff, um, you've got, like, uh, what do you call them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my brain is broken. I'm, like, magnifying goggles? What's the name oh, of those? Binoculars. Uh, like, binoculars. <laughs> um, you have binoculars, and then um, I think the only other thing you have when you start out with is cigarettes, which I think I noticed before it was called out. I was like, oh, that's weird. Where, when did Snake get that? Um, and then on a codec call, like the colonel or, or Mei Ling is like, how did you get those cigarette snakes? And he's like, oh, of course, I smuggled them out in my stomach. I was like, what the fuck, Snake? <laughs> it's like, I don't go anywhere without my favorite brand. Yeah, no, the uh, I think he's talking to Naomi, and he's like, yeah, the the nanomachines that you gave me that suppressed my stomach acid allowed me to smuggle it out. He mm. did not mention which way they came out. Yeah. I don't know if, if Snake threw him up or, or what. Well, he is a snake, so yeah, maybe he just like, you know, like kind of like hawked it up, uh, like, a, like a snake hawking up a, a mouse or something. Maybe that's where he got his name. Um, uh, some other notes that they they kind of bring up, I guess not not much else happens in the, the hangar. Um, you you know you kind of make your way through it. The ele elevator comes down. Um, you go up to the the helipad. Uh, put a pin in that for a couple games from now. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, you'll see. Okay, I do have in my notes a hind D. Um, uh, yeah, he says, I, the, he says the thing. <laughs> hind D, because they have a diversion op going on where they have like two F-16s and I think also like a ground attack going at towards the the um the base it's like that's you know that's why they're they're setting out the the hind d uh which snake points out as a russian gun gunship so it's like how they get a russian gunship here um and we will come back to what happens with that that hind d uh later um because i think liquid 
pilots it here? He gets in the, the hindy. You know, I didn't put it in my notes. In, in my mind, it could either have been Liquid or Revolver Ocelot. They kind of, like, their low-poly models kind of... <laughs> Well, I can tell you for sure it's not Revolver Ocelot. Uh, okay. That's for, so if it's anyone, it's it's Liquid. Maybe it's my man Decoy Octopus Maybe. Uh, pretending to be <laughs> Liquid. <laughs> we don't know. We also, at this point, meet Mei Ling, uh, because you have like a call with uh, Colonel, and she kind of like chimes in at one point, and Snake's like, who's that? Uh, and then Snake is the horniest man on Earth. <laughs> yeah, that was my other note about this this early point of the game, is that like... Uh, he's just immediately hitting on her. And I was like, I guess it makes so much like, okay, the thing with the cigarettes too is like, it's so clear to me that like Hideo Kojima has a very particular conception of what like a cool guy is. Mm -hmm. And it's like I was saying before, it's like a a dude out of like a Michael Bay or a Tony Scott like action thriller. Um, So of course Snake has to have his favorite brand of cigarettes on him. Of course he's like immediately hitting on the, the ladies who are on his codec because uh, Mei Ling's the first, but not the only one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, also, I, I think, I don't know if we've mentioned this was, uh, explicitly in this podcast, but uh, Snake, like, the name Snake literally comes from uh, Snake from, like, Kurt Russell's character in Escape mm. from New York, um, yeah. which uh, we'll come back to that in Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm fine with Snake being, like, pervy. He's also pervy towards um, uh, Meryl. Uh, like, mm-hmm. very much like this game, you know, treats women kind of like objects, but also not. Like, the game itself doesn't, but, like, Snake and, uh, to a lesser extent, Otacon do when they talk about Meryl. And I'm fine with that, because they're not supposed to be, like, good guys, like you said. Like, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, yeah, Snake, what a nice... I think several people call him a bastard, like, throughout this uh, the chunk that we played. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, and Snake himself is like... Yeah, no, the legend does not live up to me. Like, you might have heard of, oh, the legendary Solid Snake. I'm just a dude who wants to be doing the Iditarod, though. Yeah, he's got to get back to his husky family. <laughs> My 50 huskies are the only family I have. Uh, which which entryway did you make? Oh, right, because after the hindy takes off, you get, like, a choice of, like, you know, the colonel kind of walks you basically through, like, the mechanics of the game. Like, hey, there's there's dudes running around, and... You could see their cone of vision on your uh, your radar, and uh, you don't get spotted because you don't have any weapons yet. Um, and then it's like, okay, there's like a um, uh, air duct like on the the bottom, and an air duct on the top floor. Like you decide where you want to go. I went uh, to the one on like the the second floor, like balcony. I think just because like the the stairs are pretty close to like where you spawn in. I was like, I'm just gonna go that way. I, I have never cool. not gone that way ever. Okay. I think I was like I you yeah, at a certain point you end up back in the like hangar that that takes you to when you crawl through the air duct and I mm. like was just like rooting around for like items since I had like a, a higher key card access that's where I found my first cardboard box um and um which is delightful we'll get to that um but uh uh I think I like found the place where the other route takes you in cuz like I almost mm. went down and I'm like oh I think this will just take me back outside um so like it, it I don't I don't know how different it is cuz like when you go through the top air duct like you get to see into some of the other rooms and so you see like what items are like in some of the locked doors. Uh, uh see, I uh silly me did not root around enough. Um so which we, comes to uh later. I don't know if I don't remember if it's in this episode or the next. Um but uh when it asks you to or it says like use the mind detector and I was like the what? And I I did not have a mind detector. <laughs> um 
So uh, I need to, if I'm back in that room, I'll have to find, because I also didn't get the cardboard box to the point where I think I have a note at one point saying, is there not a cardboard box in this game? Is that like a later thing? But uh, apparently silly me. Mm-hmm. So once you're inside uh, the the building, um, you so you're in the hangar, and your first mission is to get to basement B1 or floor B1 uh, to get to the DARPA chief's cell. Well, uh, real quick before we get there, um, oh yeah, we get a, a codec call. I think w- when you're first like going into the hangar um, from a character, I have questions about which I don't know if you'll be able to provide me answers for, because I don't think this character came up in any of the stuff we talked about last time. You get a codec call from McDonald Miller. Who is from Metal Gear 2. Okay, because I didn't, I didn't have him in my notes. So I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, Snake, I can provide any assistance on the, like... Does he, does he say, like, flora and fauna? Like, if you need to know yeah. anything about, like, the environment? It's like... And he... I Okay, to talk about the, the codec system a little bit, which I adore... I love that you can just, like, at any point in the game, call up, like, the other characters, and they'll just either, like, shoot the shit with you, or, like, tell you about, like, the situation you're in, if you've, like, forgotten, or, like, need a a bit of a hint, and, like, some characters have, like, specific, like, sets of information that they know, so, like, Natasha Romanenko is, like, weapons specialist, so... Like, she's the one that tells you, like, oh, you're gonna need a mine detector, uh, if you're not gonna set off the, the mines. Um, and stuff like that. I, th- I think she like gives you some advice on how to take down the um, tank in the Vulcan Raven fight and stuff like that. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Um, I think it's very cool, and it's like um, a good way of having like character interaction in the game without like like it's, it's par- sometimes you get codec calls that you just like oh you got to talk to the colonel, um, but you could just do that at your leisure as well. So it's nice to just be like oh I get to decide when I want to like talk with the characters and just like take a break from the the gameplay. So I was like constantly just like calling people on the codec to see if they had anything interesting to say. And uh, my guy, McDonald Miller, has not given me one piece of helpful information so far. <laughs> I mean, granted, we're only a couple hours into the game. I'm sure like final fight with Liquid, he'll have something extremely important to tell me. Um, but uh, he's uh, so far just like either like I, I got nothing to tell you, Snake, uh, or like, oh, or he just says like what another character already told me. Um, or sometimes you'll call people and it'll be like no response, and it's like, oh, he just like doesn't even have anything to say to me. Um, yeah, and and uh, Miller also is going to come up a lot in later games. Um, he he becomes like a really big kind of factor uh, going forward. So I'm always like surprised that he comes up in this game. Like, oh yeah, like again, he's also in like Metal Gear Two. I think Metal Gear Two. Um, but but it's like, oh yeah, like you know, playing Metal Gear Solid Five. It's like, oh, that's that's Miller. Okay. Mm. but for me miller told me to take breaks like he's like remember to take breaks while playing which is something that like is a common thread in a lot of metal gear solid games where it like in uh metal gear solid 4 during the like when they would like when you put in the the ps3 disc it would like do like a loading uh like you'd have to load onto the disc kind of thing or load from the disc onto the system and uh which takes some time and it would have like little things and it was like you know, don't litter because Snake would like throw his cigarette out and it's like, don't litter uh, or like smoking is harmful to your health or remember to take breaks. People love you kind of thing. It's like, oh, Adeo. To me, it has the the same energy as like um, when you watch like um, uh, broadcast versions of Japanese television shows um, 
which I'm most often doing for like common writer and um, Super Sentai stuff, uh, you'll you'll see at the beginning of episodes like a disclaimer at the bottom of the screen that says like you know make sure to like sit in a well-lit room at a, a appreciable distance from your television when watching this program mm -hmm. um like has that vibe to me of like like hey enjoy 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 the video game but take breaks yeah, yeah. respect your health yeah which thanks, I, I like it's, it's cute yeah yeah so yeah uh yeah miller's great uh we get to learn a lot about him in this game um that really kind of fills in a lot of uh Kind of is like recontextualized later. Um, also, if you like codec conversations, you are going to love Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, there are okay. I I must have spent hours just on the codec in that game because the characters like there's like six people you can call. All of them are like wacky. Um, like oh here's the the medic who loves kaiju. Um, and they'll like respond to what you're wearing. So like if Snake's wearing a monkey mask, some like someone will be like hey Snake. Uh, <laughs> what are you wearing and snake will be like it's it's a monkey mask do you like it and they'll be like well <laughs> um, we'll come back to that snake anyway um i guess if someone sees you in a tree they they won't think twice about you or something it's like okay thank you that's delightful i did want to ask about that um because again i'm i'm poisoned by knowledge um but i don't think this would be like a spoiler or anything to know this um but um I know from seeing Metal Gear 3 that that's a game that has like like different costumes and stuff that you mm -hmm. can get for Snake. Does this game have costumes or is Snake no. just in the wetsuit the whole time? Just the wetsuit. Uh, okay. The only changes I believe are like if you beat it on extreme, you're in a tuxedo, I think maybe. But I also don't mm -hmm. know if that's just for the first scene or for the for the entire game. I don't remember. It would be great, like because like in the um, uh, opening uh like kind of level um they do a thing where like once you like get on the elevator um snake's got has like a wetsuit like hood on the whole time and he takes that off you see his beautiful psx uh polygon face um it'd be great if if there is a tuxedo option in this game if you you're wearing the wetsuit and then when you get on the elevator he takes off the wetsuit to reveal <laughs> i've been wearing a james bond tuxedo underneath the whole thing that that is literally what happens yes okay <laughs> that's, beautiful. that's exactly right yes <laughs> Me and Hideo were on the on the same wavelength. <laughs> Hideo happened to see uh, the recent James Bond flick that that week and was like, "I I, I under I got it. I know what I gotta do." <laughs> um, one more gameplay thing to mention. Um, I appreciate that. Um, switching items pauses the game. Mm -hmm. Um, it was like a thing that I wasn't expecting to happen when I was like doing it in like a like a combat situation or when like a situation where like. If it didn't pause, I would have had to have gone through items quickly before a guard came around a quarter or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. It is like I think it would make or break the combat in the game if um, you didn't have the the pauses when you're going through. Because like at a certain point, I just had so many items to cycle through, um, and I haven't gotten quite used to which directional button to press to go which way <laughs> cycling through <laughs> the items for some reason. Um, how how do you think the rations work? Um, I might have looked some of this up or maybe intuited some of this. Uh, like you start with like a max capacity of two mm -hmm. and then every time you defeat a boss, like your capacity goes up. Um, and also I think I, I read this cause this wasn't clear from like the game UI, but also every time you beat a boss, your health goes up mm -hmm. and you automatically heal. I think on normal difficulty, like you heal up to your previous max health. So it won't put you at your new max health but it'll like mm. get you back to where you were before um but how how do you think you use the rations specifically well you like 
you select them in a menu and then you like press X. Is that the only the way you menu. think you can use them? Wait, you're telling me there's another way to <laughs> There is another way of using them. So that's What's the other That's way? what I... So if you have them just as your active item, if you run out of health, it'll automatically heal you. Oh. So that's what I was trying to be like sneaky about of like, hey, do you want me to give you a hint about something that's not in the game UI? Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's cuz in the game UI it literally says, pre- you know, press circle to use the use yeah. the item. It's uh if you just have it as your active item, it'll automatically use it. So my thing with switching is I would switch between the the card key to go into doors and then switch back to the ration because mm. I didn't want to die instantly. <laughs> yeah, I think once I got the the uh excuse you the pan card um mm. i uh just had that as my active item unless i needed to use something else that way i didn't mm. have to like pull that out just to get through a door um but that's interesting i kind of like that as like a the game doesn't tell you that and if you're lucky you would just discover that on your own like if you were like in a boss fight and you happen to have the rations selected and you're like ah shit he hit me i'm, I'm dead and then you go oh wait it healed me um that's cool i feel like something that's uh I feel like I do a lot of uh, uh, nostalgia grandizing on some of our podcasts, but one of the <laughs> things that I feel like is is missing from a lot of uh, modern video games that, you know, it's, it's whatever, but it's like a, a bummer to me personally is like there's like not as much of that like sense of discovery where like the game doesn't tell you everything um, in its uh, systems. Uh, so there's like room for you to figure things out uh, organically or have this like experience where you're telling me of a thing like. Um, I really miss the days of like, you know, being younger and not really on the internet and like playing a game at the same time a friend was. And then you like meet up at school and like in recess, the friend tells you like, oh, did you know you could do this thing? And like, that's just mm-hmm. like a experience that happens still, but just in a very different way. Um, so uh, you, you, this is a video or not. This is not a video podcast. so You can't see my <laughs> face, but I'm delighted at the at the information that I, I didn't know something about the the ration system. Yeah, there there are a fair few things, especially and especially as we go on where it'll be like, oh, like, you can use this one way or another. Um, like there's one thing big in Metal Gear Solid 3 that I'm not going to reveal until we get there, um, where it's like, oh, I didn't realize you could do that. And it's like, yep, absolutely. They, and it might be like something where they have like a, a codec call where they mention like, hey, Snake, did you know you can use da-da-da to do da-da-da? Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, always little mechanics here and there. This one's probably the most, like, without real-world explanation, but... But it is like there, whereas other things are the kind of thing where you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that that would happen in the real world. Um, but yeah, so just thought I'd get that out there. Um, so we get down to dar- the basement B1. If you go, if you're on the second floor, I don't even think you have to go to the first floor. I think the elevator's on the second floor. Uh, or maybe, no, it's not. No, it's on the first floor. Um, but you can go in there and, and, and go down. I always fuck up the elevator buttons i'll run in and try to hit the action key uh circle uh to use the elevator to like open up the elevator panel i always forget that it automatically opens up the elevator panel for you so i always end up like backing out of it essentially and i have to like run out and run back into the elevator yeah i had that happen to me too and i think like one of the guards is like close to the front of the mm-hmm. elevator so it's like ah oh, shit shit i gotta close this door <laughs> yeah um so uh you get down there and not much happens other than going through like the vent and then you can see meryl in her cell which snake is just like dumbfounded like he's like huh a woman and it's like snake i was there in the briefing you know that that meryl is there why don't you put two and two together which kind of like makes me think of like when i was a kid i didn't watch the briefing 
So like me as a little kid was like, yeah, what what is a woman doing here? You know, other than just like being a soldier, I guess. Uh, so then when it's revealed, like, oh, that's the colonel's niece. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Um, but then you find the the DARPA chief. What are your thoughts and feelings? Something I uh failed to mention last time when we were talking about our Metal Gear histories. Um that came to me like in full force in this cutscene is uh for the longest time my only understanding of metal gear came from metal gear awesome the <laughs> new grounds ego raptor animation shorts mm-hmm. um which i i now also realize though there's like two of those and they really only get up to like the second or third hour of gameplay like we've basically for this play session we've done played through the entirety of what gets covered in um Metal Gear Awesome and Metal Gear Awesome 2. Uh, but something about the DARPA Chief's voice actor reminded me of the voice Ego Raptor does uh, for uh, DARPA Chief in Metal Gear Awesome. It's like, oh my god, I haven't thought about that in forever. It's like locked in the <laughs> same part of my brain that like firing my laser and shit like that <laughs> lingers. So uh, trying to remember what everything DARPA Chief says. DARPA Chief says that this is before I start again, like really big on notes. Well, I'll tell you what I have, which is. Please, uh, yeah, I don't have he... that many notes. <laughs> He well, I don't have much notes either because I don't think he really tells you too much. The big thing he tells you, which by God, I'm so surprised. Uh, he tells you that they've got a Metal Gear here, and that's the secret, uh, like uh, training thing that they were doing before, like the revolution with the mm-hmm. what do they call themselves? The, the 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 sons of Big Boss. Sons of Big Boss, yeah. <laughs> um, and the the I guess uh Foxhound members, um. Uh, take over the the facility they were testing a new metal gear called metal gear rex mm-hmm. uh, which of course i've i've heard of there's like model kits of this specific metal gear um uh very cool design even though we haven't i guess we 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 get like glimpses of it maybe not in this cutscene, but in like other uh, cutscenes where people are talking about the metal gear i think they like cut to like footage of it in the hangar um but i do know what it looks like it's very a very cool like walking tank design really uh, sell or delivers on the promise of of a Metal Gear as like a mobile nuclear weapon delivery device. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about the Metal Gear um, is that, and the DARPA chief like says it outright. He's like, "Yeah, we knew it like was a problem, and we knew that it could have been like really, really bad, but we did go into full production for it. Like we went, <laughs> like we figured if the Americans have it, then it's okay. So we got to do it anyway. We we in." quote unquote the west needed this the metal gear or whatever because snake is like what the fuck like this is clearly i've beaten this thing twice why are you doing this again (laughs) have a feeling snake's gonna well i guess some of the other games take place before this one i was like i've got some bad news about you snake this isn't the only metal gear they're gonna make um (laughs) or isn't the last metal gear they're gonna make um but uh, yeah, I think like we'll, we'll have more to say about like uh, I think we will uh, about like what's going on with them making the another Metal Gear uh, once we talk to um, uh, the uh, Arms Tech president. Um, but um, but yeah, there's definitely the sense of like uh, well, we had to make it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like I I I think about this a lot with like VR stuff, um, which is just like because it's a technology that exists we all just have to buy into the idea that it needs to exist you know uh, this is something mm-hmm. i just feel personally as someone that's like not interested in, in vr um but like it, it made me think of that it was just like well so we've got these blueprints prints lying around for this mobile uh, nuclear weapons delivery device well, we have to make it 
<laughs> they're gonna go bad otherwise um but um he says that and then um he talks about how uh that they already know his password because remember there's the two passwords for launching uh the mm. nuke that they have and um darpa chief has one password the arms tech president has the other one and uh darpa chief is like uh yeah psychomandis made me talk with his uh super special psychic powers and now they know my code which put a pin in that i guess but that's just mm -hmm. that's how he says it um there and then he talks about this is i guess the, the interesting thing like you were saying with like meryl showing up in this cutscene because she's in the like cell next door there's a lot of information that like we already know because we took the time to watch all the briefing cutscenes. um but they you know in case you didn't uh tell you a lot of this information uh in scenes like this but he says like oh there's three card keys that you need to stop the nuke and apparently meryl has them mm -hmm. uh so i guess we need to meet up with meryl at some point um and then the darpa chief just dies <laughs> it's like a like an instant heart attack before he just before he dies he starts like going off on these like weird tangents where he's like asking about the pentagon and he's like are they gonna are they going to you know concede to the demands kind of thing like he's like weirdly weirdly like into it and like and like trying to and like snake which i love this about snake the entire time like he's like who are you like who sent you and snake's like that's not important i'm not telling you uh which like yeah that's like the right way of like going about holding a secret is just saying like that's not important i'm not gonna tell you like not giving hints he's just like i i'm, I'm here to get you out of here like stop asking me questions um yeah, Darpa Chief gets like really like riled up. He's like, "Are they gonna give him give into the demands?" Kind of thing. Like, what's going on with the Pentagon? Da 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 da. Uh, and then yeah, he has he has a catastrophic heart attack and and dies. Uh, to which Snake calls um uh Naomi and 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 Campbell and is like, "Hey, what the fuck? Like, what is going on?" Because at this point, like, like Snake's getting some inclination that it's like, "Hey, we're not being told everything." Which, if you remember in the briefing. Snake specifically says, no secrets between us, Colonel. Like, you have to tell me everything. Um, so, so yeah, he dies. Um, and then you're kind of left in this, the, the cell. And um, uh, did you know if you are pressed up against a wall and you press circle or like the punch button, you start knocking on the, the wall? I did not know that. I did know I do know that you can like press up against a wall by like like pressing into it with like mm. the directional button. But no, I didn't know you can knock on the wall. <laughs> can you knock on the wall and like Meryl goes like, "Hey, what's going on in there?" No, but I I couldn't remember how to get out of this part because I was like waiting oh. for a few seconds. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, maybe I because there are it's kind of a common thread actually." Come to think of it, like the, more than once, uh, Snake is is locked in a in a cell in Metal Gear Solid games, and like you have to like get out by like tricking a guard. And I was like, oh, maybe you have to, like, trick the guard and, like, knock on the door and then, you know, they see the DARPA chief or whatever. Uh, so I just, like, stood there for a few seconds just, like, pounding on the door uh, until <laughs> it eventually just opened up. Um, but you can use that in gameplay to, like, get a guard to move away from their post. But, um, but yeah, so opens up the door and you step out and Meryl... It's like you killed the DARPA chief, you bastard. It's like, uh, it was a, it was a heart attack. I swear. <laughs> it was a, it was a, yeah, you gotta believe me. The uh, snake does this several times with the series, and it's it's always so fucking cool when he does. Uh, basically, just calls their bluff and is like, like you 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 haven't shot someone, have you? Your safety's not even off. Uh, and and it's always so fucking cool when he does it. Um, I love it. I love him. <laughs> and then while they're arguing about whatever, you know. 
who killed who and, and whatnot. Uh, a, a squad of soldiers break in. How did, how did this? This is the first time that I think I shot my gun. Same. I wasn't sure when to best talk about it, but you mentioned before that, like, this is uh, the kind of stealth game that really, like, incentivizes you to, like, not go loud and to, to play it stealthy. Mm-hmm. And I've been definitely trying to stick to that. Like, I um, <laughs> I think when I when I first started, like, when, when you're first, like, getting into the hangar, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, run up to one of these guards and punch him and that'll let me take his gun. And then that didn't go over well. <laughs> so it's like, OK, we're going <laughs> to we're going to stick to stealth. Um, and so I've been really enjoying doing that, like sneaking around the guards and, and stuff and finding ways around them. Um, so it's a little bit lame to be like, and now you're just going to shoot a bunch of dudes. But also it was like, OK, well, I'll, I'll have to use my gun for like boss fights and stuff at some point so i should learn how to how to do that um i don't know like i feel like there has to be a better way to have done it than i did it but i just kind of stood there with meryl and just like shot at guys like repeatedly as they walked through the door and like still managed to lose a bunch of bunch of health um mm-hmm. but the game is at least on the difficulty i'm playing and how much like rations um heal you and stuff like that like the game's pretty generous about giving you enough rations um that mm-hmm. i never felt like oh shit i'm really low on health and i don't have any rations i'm not gonna be like prepared the next time i have to like go into a fight or whatever yeah and um going back to what you said about punching a guard and taking his gun uh so this game doesn't just not want you to to shoot people it doesn't really want you to interact with them at all because so in future metal Gear solid games when you punch someone or like flip them over uh, they get knocked out, like, permanent, not, like, permanently, permanently, they can be woken up by someone, but, like, by themselves, they are stagnant for, like, minutes and minutes and minutes, like, long enough time for you to get out of there. Here, it's, like, less than a minute. I remember, like, yeah, I, like, knocked someone out, and I was like, oh, that got rid of them, and then, and then like, within 30 seconds, they were back up again. I was like, oh, fuck, whoops. Um, so, yeah, this section, um, I was having such a bad time with aiming, because uh, the... The, the way you're supposed to do it is you hold the square button to, like, aim, and then you release it to shoot, um, and, like, aiming is just, like, because you're it has to be done on the D-pad, uh, it ends up being, like, really clunky. Um, so what I end up doing is basically running up to them and, like, basically shooting them point blank so that I couldn't miss. Because especially at first, and this is actually what I really like about this segment, at first, Meryl is not helping you. Uh, you are the only person who can kill them uh, because this is the first time Meryl has held a gun at some, to someone uh, and had to shoot someone. So she's, like, frozen up because, and they make a point about this, she's basically just a gamer, and gamers don't know the actual, like, cost of taking a life on the battlefield so i thought that was an interesting little bit of world building or kind of like character development where snake like has to yell at her and basically say like hey what are you doing you're gonna get us both killed shoot uh and she's like don't yell at me and then she just does like the like suppressing fire thing from archer where she's just like ah it's like starts shooting like absolutely everyone (laughs) i also got a call at one point because i was like okay this shooting is not fucking working for me i'm just gonna punch them uh and if you keep doing that you eventually get a call from campbell saying like what are you doing shoot them (laughs) and i was like oh okay i thought there was like a no kill option for this but i guess not um but yeah no it's a interesting little fight uh like, yeah, I only got through it because of the rations. Um, I feel like there might be a way of, of having a grenade at this point in the game, and you can, like, throw grenades forward, but I might be misremembering the fact they throw grenades at you at one point, and that's where I'm mm-hmm. thinking of grenades being in this fight. Um, 
But it's like a nice, like if you haven't shot anyone up until this point, it's like a nice way of incorpor- like getting you kind of worked up to this point. It also made me wonder what happens if you haven't gotten a gun by this point, if Snake just like pulls one out of his ass. Because like the gun is just kind of in a closet somewhere. Like I, yeah. I wonder... I wonder if the game like stops you and says like, hey, Snake, there should be a gun nearby. Look for it. Or if it just lets you go through like I didn't get the mind detector and it later said like use the mind detector. And I said the what? I don't know if they do the same <laughs> the, thing with the gun. Well, the soldiers like as they die do drop um, like ammo, which mm-hmm. like that's like how you get the gun is like if you find ammo that gives you the gun, essentially. Um, so I'd imagine if you didn't have the gun, I think like. Meryl's at least taken out one guard before, like, you take control in the scene. Um, mm. So maybe there's, like, ammo there that you can pick up, and that'll give you the gun. Uh, yeah. But I also had, had already gotten the gun uh, up to that point. Um, we, wist- we missed one more thing that uh, the DARPA chief uh, does before he dies, and that he gives you uh, a PAN card. Uh, mm-hmm. PAN stands for Personal Area Network. Um, it's like the like access cards that let you open different doors um i love this in a video game of like the different like uh access levels of like it's a very like metroidvania thing of like Mm -hmm. oh there's like uh level one security clearance up to like level seven or something like that and so it's like i love like passing by a door that's like level five it's like ha either we're gonna have to come back here or if i ever come back here later and i have level five there'll be some there'll be a sick cardboard box behind that door (laughs) um but he also mentions that the way the pan card works is that it uses the salts in your body as a transmission medium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like Hideo Kojima can't help himself, even like a like a barcode card, like is too simple <laughs> for him. He's got to be like, uh, you know, like oh, it's the salts in your body that allow this card to work <laughs> that lets you in these doors. It's like. Did they not just think like a like a swipe uh like scanner <laughs> <laughs> like in a hotel or something was it was it secure enough that we've got to use the electrolytes in my body or whatever? It was it was the nineties that the this was high tech back then. Yeah, I need to know what uh like issue of like popular science or whatever Dio Kojima read that in. <laughs> it's like oh, and in the future we'll be able to use the salts in your body as a means of uh personal area network transmission. Kojima's your like, oh, sweat will be your driver's license. <laughs> exactly um but yeah so what happens next after we've uh <laughs> there's a very important thing that happens after uh we take down these guards with uh with meryl yeah you you get to find her canonically important nice ass uh-huh. she has a, a a wonderful dumpy um and god bless him K- kojima you've done it again <laughs> Even with PSX graphics, you've done it. It's so funny. It zooms in and like it's slow mo. Um, it's just like I have to imagine if you watched it like from a different angle and like zoomed out, um, it would look like she's doing the like uh, like John Lennon meme crab walk. <laughs> you know, or just like to get that uh, like movement on like a a PSX level character model. Like what's going on outside of the frame has to be ridiculous um it's just how it works in my mind but yeah Yeah. we do uh have to stare at her ass for uh as you say canonically important reasons well and i i can't believe i'm saying this but put a pin in it it'll come back later in this game so uh several times in fact well yeah i mean uh, i know at least one instance where where we get to talk with a certain somebody about her um uh quote cute way of walking (laughs) because the way he puts it oh i'm i mean like in gameplay there's a very important part that has to do with her oh Uh, okay which we will not get it to in this it'll be in the next chunk 
Um, but yeah, gotcha. But then we talk to Campbell and say, like, hey, Meryl's fine. Um, and then he says to call her? Or no, no, he does not. Um, I can't remember how we find out that Kenneth Baker, president of Arms Tech, is on the second floor basement. Does um, someone say that to us? Oh, maybe, maybe DARPA Chief says that to us? Darp yeah, DARPA Chief says that. Um, okay. And I, I think the way, like, they know that, like, through the radar, they knew where the DARPA chief is, but they don't know where the ARMSEC president is because he's on, like, a floor where, like, radar is blocked. Mm -hmm. um, so he has to have, like, the DARPA chief be like, oh, they're holding him, like, the floor below me or whatever. Yeah. And the DARPA chief does give, like, signposting info. Like, he, he says, like, all I know is that they, they concreted over the entrance like to where they they're holding him uh but they didn't have time to paint over it so look for uh like unpainted walls which like it's very clearly telling you like you the player this is what you have to look for but like that's something that you would say to snake in the situation i think like it's relevant information it's not done in a a goofy way where they're like you know be sure to hit the triangle button to go first person to see the walls or whatever they just say like hey you know look look for some patches in the wall yeah, it's definitely um, very like convenient, you know, to be like, mm -hmm. oh, there's, there's these walls that they didn't uh, they didn't paint yet. Um, but also like better than like what a modern video game would probably do, which is like you would go down to that floor and then like a tooltip would pop up and be like, some walls are uh, uh, available to break with explosives. Press the Y button to lay your explosive. Um, and like yeah. that's like way more lame than than having a character be like, hey, watch out for these unpainted walls. Well, and especially like given psx graphics if i didn't know that and i happened to see the wall look different i don't know that i would have pieced i might have just been like oh it's like a it's just like a wall texture um maybe i would try it but given that i think you only get like four pieces of c4 which is you know you, you need to break through the walls i feel like i wouldn't have wanted to try it kind of thing unless i wanted to like quick save and, and quick like reload kind of thing um so it is, like, nice that they signpost it, um, and then you go down there, and there's a little, like, C4 puzzle room where you basically have, not even puzzle, just, like, you have to find the kind of breaks in the wall to go through, which... Yeah, there's, like, a couple of different areas you can break, and some of them just, like, lead to, like, a room with an item, and then some of them, mm -hmm. um, or the one of them leads you where you need to go to get to um, Kenneth Baker, president of Arms Tech. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, like, I can't not think of the full thing in my head. Well, it's funny because like Arms Tech, as far as I know, is a fake company. DARPA is real. I did not realize that until like I was much <laughs> older. But like DARPA is like a real thing. Yeah, it's what like Defense Arms Research Program, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, it's like a real thing. Like I, you know, I know people who've worked for DARPA, kind of thing. Like, uh, it's like a whole thing. Yeah, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It is a yeah. uh, department of the, or a, um, like an arm of the Department of Defense. Yeah, um, which they, they do a lot of weird shit there nowadays. But, but yeah, so you, you, did you, did you fall through the, the floor? Yes, I was going to ask you. I did not. Um, I did not either. I feel like you'd have to fuck up majorly because, like, unless you just, like, decided to stop for some reason. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. There is, though, one of the, like, non-essential rooms that you can see four into has like two items in it and one of them has like a trapdoor underneath it um so if you just like stood where the item was for too long you'd, you'd fall through it um mm. but i i'm always moving baby uh so didn't happen to me but w do you know what what happens if you fall through them is it like a game over you, or you just like yeah. lose health oh okay yeah no you die yeah oh that reminds me uh speaking of like you know if you're like standing in one place uh i forgot to mention the, i think the only alert that i've gotten so far 
is in the helipad sequence because when you run up to the balcony you see a security camera and snake stops and like says oh a security camera and because of that cutscene, the security camera had t- like security camera did not stop so it had time to like come back to me and i was like oh mm-hmm. well fuck um but thankfully it doesn't really matter but um but yeah, so um, I actually didn't see four into any non-essential rooms. I did go into the room because there are a bunch of like little rooms that have different security levels. Um, and I went into those, the ones that I could get into. Um, I guess if you, when you come back out after the Ocelot fight, there are enemies in that room. So maybe if you're like trying to sneak past an enemy and you're not paying attention, you could fall uh, through. That's true. Uh, yeah. But I, I never ran into that issue. But um, so you see four, your way to Kenneth Baker, president of Arms Tech, um, who is, like, strung up on uh, a pillar uh, full of C4s, which, uh, to preempt, yes, I did see if what would happen if you ran into his arms. Uh, it, he dies. Oh, um, yes. I was going to say, I... <laughs> One, I love the like saw trap that he's in. Yes, <laughs> Kenneth Baker, <laughs> you've lived a immoral life selling uh, arms <laughs> to countries to, or whatever. Um, cue, uh, oh god, uh, Zep's Revenge is that the the, mm-hmm. the saw mm-hmm. music track? <laughs> but um, uh, yes, I. So maybe there's a way to get this without triggering it. But there's like in that room, there's um like extra ammo or whatever. Um scattered about like items uh when you're fighting revolver ocelot and uh there's one item that's like close enough to the wires that i totally ran into the wires grabbing <laughs> it uh and was like shocked that that's just like open and everything blew up and snake died in the end um i was i was laughing really hard at that ocelot's like you idiot and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you, you run into Ocelot, and he's like, this is the best gun ever. He's fucking Charles Bronsoning it. He's like, this is the best uh-huh. gun ever made. The Colt Single Action Revolver. Uh, excuse you, the Colt Single Action Army. Uh, <laughs> single Action Army, revolvers. yeah. Let me show you why they call me Revolver. Uh-huh. Uh, which, God bless. But the whole time, he is like twirling his one gun like all over the place like he's doing sick knife tricks but it's like with the, <laughs> with the revolver and the again just nostalgic for this era of games but i love all the sound work in this game um and mm-hmm. the like whooshing of him flipping the gun around is so good i i had to watch i watched this cutscene twice because i died uh once and then was just like oh i could skip this cutscene but i want to see him <laughs> do the gun tricks again you you are gonna love metal gear solid 3 i tell you what okay <laughs> it's like all this shit ramped up to a million <laughs> amazing um uh, I like this boss fight. I like that it kind of is forcing you out of the uh, the stealth mindset where, where Revolver Ocelot's like, hiding's not going to help you. I can like ricochet my bullets to make them find you wherever you're at kind of thing. It kind of forces you into a more aggressive style, which in some games could be like, j- uh, like jarring where it's like, oh, you know, you're stuck in one mindset and it's switching you to another. This one kind of primes you with like the earlier fight and just like allowing you to have guns generally. So by like having uh, Ocelot kind of force you into this like locked encounter, which like still doesn't like it's not like he's like he's running away from you most of the time. So it like kind of puts you on the aggressive side rather than him like you reacting to him being aggressive. Um, and then him saying, I love reloading during battle. It's like as if it's like an erotic <laughs> thing like for him, like he just gets off on it. It's like the thrill of having no bullets. Ooh, it's like oh hell yeah, king. Um, 
but uh but yeah i like this boss fight yeah it was i thought it was cool like you um talked before about how like some of the camera angles um in this can be really limiting um and i would imagine that would make playing on like the harder difficulties where there's no radar just like not fun um mm -hmm. But this boss fight really effectively leverages that because, like, if if he's like in like the top left corner of this room, it's like a you know like a square room, and you're kind of like running around the perimeter of where like uh, Kenneth Baker, sorry, uh, President of Arms Tech, Kenneth Baker, uh, <laughs> is hung up in his uh, saw trap in the middle. So if like Revolver Ocelot's in the top left corner and you're at the bottom right corner of the room, you just can't see him. Um, and so mm -hmm. like uh, like there's an element of like oh, which, like if you don't have him in your camera view it's like oh which direction is he running like which direction do i need to run to like meet up with him so i can shoot him while he's reloading or whatever like it's kind of a cool sort of cat and mouse thing in like this very small space of like uh trying to keep uh tabs on him um which like wouldn't be possible if you just had this like really wide camera angle of like the whole room and you could just see everything going on um mm -hmm. i think it would have been less uh challenging um and not a hard, not a hard boss fight. I think the only time I died was accidentally running into the trip wires. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh well, I guess I got to do that again. I did start like feeling like a little more in sync with the combat because um, there were points where I saw him running on like the opposite opposite side of the room, and I got like a, a quick little shot off at him and mm -hmm. and hit him with the the still actually hit him. I was like, oh okay, I'm like I'm feeling it now. Um, uh, but yeah, it's pretty straightforward boss fight no kind of hidden features i am very curious to see what the next boss fight we do by the way is going to be i don't know how you can do it on emulator i'm sure there's a way but we'll get into that later but oh i i i was also wondering about this um about how this is gonna go down <laughs> i wonder if on emulator you know, Emily, you can set up player like controller slots. I wonder yeah. if we're gonna have to switch to like keyboard for the for the fight. Yeah. Um. Or I am a freak and have way too many controllers, so I could probably uh, set up a second controller in my emulator. But yeah, I again poisoned by knowledge. I do know. I I knew enough about that that I was like looking into my emulator to be like, okay, can I set up like a second gamepad? Like, okay, yes, I can. Um. So it's like, okay, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, yeah. Um, so after the after the fight, we uh, meet the cyborg ninja, uh, who that's all we know him as right now. My my note when he showed up is what the fuck. <laughs> I was like, it's like okay, this game's like weird, and there's 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 stuff going on. But it's pretty straightforward so far. Like I get what's going on, uh, and then sudden cyborg ninja. <laughs> it's like what what is happening? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I I love him. Uh, he's just such a little, little dude. Um, uh, a tragic backstory as we find out, but, um... Yes. <laughs> but yeah, during, during that, that whole thing, I was like, <laughs> like, shout out to Hideo for putting in such a, like, like such a, like you said, like a goofy concept of like, what the fuck, and then like, wrapping it back around to reining it in a bit, um, uh, in, in a way that, uh, I, I, I love, um... This and this is the kind of thing that you you see a lot of when people talk about Metal Gear, and it's it's valid to a point I think, but they get really hung up on these like little things, and I I consider this a little thing of like oh there's a cyborg ninja now. It's like yeah, but like I don't know, it's fine. Like eh. you you get to be in a cardboard box. Like yeah, it's fine. Well, we were uh, talking about this uh, together recently. Uh, last night actually of of like um 
you know, not to uh, bring up the full discourse around the um, Forspoken game, but we were talking about how, like, you know, uh, the power of, like, taking or having your characters take the fictional world they're in seriously and, mm-hmm. like, let the player or the viewer, the audience, like, be the one to say, hey, that's goofy, uh, right? And so, like, this would suck if Snake was, like, you know, commenting on how goofy uh, Invisible, because we forgot to mention he's also Invisible, uh, Cyborg Ninja, <laughs> uh, how goofy that is. Uh, if Snake was the one saying that, it would really, like, take the piss out of the whole thing, but because Snake is so deadly serious about, oh, my God, that's a Cyborg Ninja, then, like, I can be like, ha Snake, uh, you silly guy, like, laugh a little. <laughs> um but um but yeah i think i think it's rad i was it just like totally like as intended i suppose like really like got me it was like whoa what are we doing now um (laughs) in a way that i i feel like i am just i'm not i'm probably not prepared for some of the like wild swings that this game and and other metal gear solid games are gonna make if if at the first mention of an invisible cyborg ninja i'm already like freaking out but um uh, i thought it was funny i think it speaks to the world building and like the power of the writing honestly where uh and granted i am viewing this from someone who knows everything going on like i was like i'm automatically like oh yeah of course that like yeah there's a, a cyborg ninja uh in the same way that in another metal gear solid game that i don't really want to spoil everything for it um there are parts where it tells you to do something and i did it thinking that it was like I had to do it to unlock the next section and it wasn't, it was like, it was trolling me and I fell for it. And I was like, Oh mm-hmm. God damn it. Like, so, uh, it's, it's, a uh, it, it, you get what you put into it. I think, <laughs> you know, you, you, I, you meet it on metal gears level <laughs> and, and you embrace the cyborg ninja who I think has the same voice. I feel like Kenneth Baker's voice actor has the same voice actor as someone else. I think it might be uh, the Cyborg Ninja. I don't remember if that's true or not. Oh, I think, I, yeah, I think I noticed that. Oh, well, well, there's another character we'll get to uh, in the next episode that um, I think is the same voice actor as the DARPA chief. Um, oh, okay, well, that might we'll, be it. We'll talk about that later. Um, okay. What what speaking of the voice actors, one thing that um you know you mentioned that in the opening uh, kind of scene, there's like you know you get the voice actor credits, um like David Hayter's name pops up and the voice actor for like the colonel and like the main kind of cast of characters, but all of these characters that we're meeting along the way, uh get like their like own like title card like here's who's voicing this character kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh which i think is really neat and like you were saying like it's cool that like it kind of seems like both ahead of its time but also just like we're still not really there we're like you know like you know people know um uh, like troy baker and like other like big name video game voice actors but like not every video game that troy baker voices in like opens with like and troy baker as and whatever character Mm -hmm. he's playing like so it's cool that like these characters get that recognition and it's cool that like it happens in the moment of the scene and not just like at the start it's like ah this is psycho mantis and he's voiced by this fucker um i appreciate that and and that's a a constant thing through i think all the metal gear games um maybe not metal gear one and two but metal gear solid games um the and it kind of goes to the nth degree for Metal Gear Solid Five, which some people speculated was Hideo Kojima giving Konami the middle finger. In that every single mission you start has like directed oh, by right. Hideo Kojima, voicing uh you know uh uh, uh I almost said Kenneth Baker uh Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> as Solid Snake, you know so on and so forth. Uh, which in that case I think it was a little too far. Where I'm like, okay, can we can we get into the mission now? Um, right. But uh, but yeah no the I, I really appreciate the 
kind of cut-ins. And I think, I don't know if it's just Metal Gear Solid 3, there might be other ones too, um, you can hit a button, one of the buttons, it might be like L2 or something like that, and it changes the voice actor to the Japanese one, or it changes it to the mocap actor. Like, they, they you can, like, see another name there. I can't remember what the other name is. I, it's some other actor, though, either... Japanese or or just like the mocap, but I can't remember for sure. I might be making that up, but I'm 95% sure that's a, a true statement. Um, but anyway, we talked to Kenneth Baker, uh, president of Arms Tech, who I was like, he sounds like a almost like a Neil Breen, um, uh, like I'm president of the bank and I'm going to kill myself kind yes. of thing. Uh, <laughs> but like more competent, um, like he says... Uh, like the bleeding heart liberals on the military oversight committee. And I was like, holy shit, where are we? <laughs> I was losing my mind. His whole thing is so funny to me because like when he says the the line about the bleeding heart liberals, he's talking about like Snake is like, how did people okay this? Why are we building another Metal Gear? Uh, and he's just talking about like, you know, the military industrial complex. It's like, don't you understand, Snake? Even the bleeding heart liberals will happily take bribes from arms companies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and his his whole thing is just like um this seems like a world where i don't understand how this is true but he's like we're we're in an era of unprecedented peace and won't someone think of the poor weapons manufacturers who have <laughs> have less contracts now because of this peace um that's why uh when he dies uh spoilers because he also gets a instant heart attack <laughs> like uh, the darpa chief uh in my notes i just have well rip president asshole um <laughs> uh, no no great loss there um we also learned some other uh uh I, I forgot to mention a few other ones not that i'll go back to but like i i continue to love the like someone says an acronym and then either it is like in parentheses in the subtitles what it stands for or the character mm-hmm. who says it immediately explains what it is because he talks about muff which i don't think i've ever heard of <laughs> i kind of like i've heard of chuckled it at but that. yeah uh materials unaccounted for um, yeah talking about he, like nuclear waste and stuff like that yeah which that's a big thing hideo kojima i i i'm curious to see where he gets it from i i, I might read his book at some point to see if he talks about where he gets his his strong nuclear non-proliferation nuclear disarmament kind of mentality from which for the record i'm on board with like shout out to hideo for being a real one um because he talks about like and i was like ooh, very subtle critique lamau uh yeah. like the nuclear disarmament process was like really sloppily done and it's like made it's full of waste and like yeah they're just like there is just muff everywhere um and it's like, yeah, that's bad. And like nuclear weapons are bad. And like, maybe we should like take care and disarming them and everything. Uh, but because of like the the military industrial complex and like the constant vibe of like or constant like desire to push for uh, nuclear deterrence kind of thing, like everything is kind of done sloppily so it can be reversed in the future. And and yeah, um, it, it's it's very subtle. Uh, <laughs> Deo's uh, critiques being made here, um, you know, and it is mostly aimed at the West. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of introspect. I and mean, granted, it's an American talking to an American in American base kind of thing. Um, but uh, uh, there's not like a ton of this being pointed back at other countries. It is very much like pointed at the West, which again. Makes sense. Um, I'm curious to see if it is something where it's like, yeah, Hideo's, you know, grandparents were involved in like Nagasaki or Hiroshima or something like what, 
kind of led to this thing, this kind of mentality, which again, not, like this kind of mentality, parentheses, not derogatory. I'm here with you, Hideo. Right. We're, we're on the same wavelength. Um, but uh, I, w- I would be curious to find out about that. Yeah, I think I said it last time, but we should definitely, um, in the far future, plan to do an episode on that book. I think that'd be really interesting mm-hmm. to visit after after playing some of these games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like the uh, Kenneth Baker, president of Arms Tech. His his whole deal is like you know like oh the like nick nu- nuclear um, uh, disarmament is like a lie like, or like is is unachievable. Um, mm-hmm. So we shouldn't stop making and producing nuclear weapons. And then that's why he's talking about the muff. He's like. It's all just going to sit around unaccounted for anyway, and people are going to make their own nukes with the unaccounted nuclear material, and we've got to be prepared or whatever. And this is when he, he launches into the whole thing about the Metal Gear being like, like, of course we had to make it, because if we didn't make it first, someone else would, and we've got to be the, the first one to have a, a working uh, mobile nuclear theater. Um, but, uh, um, and then he dies again rip rip president asshole <laughs> not gonna yeah. miss him he does mention a couple other things which is um we we put a pen in it earlier about the darpa chief because apparently the darpa chief lied about giving up his codes because of psychomantis's psychic powers mm-hmm. um because we learn that both the darpa chief and the arms tech president have um uh, psychic inhibitors in their brains that would prevent psychomantis from just being able to like psychically obtain the codes so the yep. only way they would give them up is like willingly after well not willingly but like you know of their own um will after like being like tortured essentially um yeah and so that's an interesting pin to have like that's not really fully resolved yet i don't know what's going on with darpa chief lying about that but we uh, we do confirm that both of them did give up their codes but it wasn't because of like psychic control it was because of uh like torture um and so the that foxhound the terrorists as they get called have uh both codes that they need to ready the missile launch yeah and and note to the to the listener um i'm saying like yeah uh-huh uh i feel like on the great gundam project where uh uh-huh who who does who is it who doesn't know that Quattrobagina is Char? It was Jackson, and to to their yeah. credit, they were like they were like I thought it was Char, but like the the show wanted me so hard to think it wasn't that I convinced myself <laughs> that it was someone else. Yeah, there there are many things where I'm just fucking like yes yes, um, which again I love this uh, kind of experience of like because I don't I don't know how it how it plays to someone who's not, you know, keened into the, the, to the lore and everything of like, you know, why is the DARPA chief lying? I know, but like, I, I was curious to see if, if you know, but you don't know, which is good. Great. Shout out to Hideo. Score, score one for Hideo. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, there's some things I'm, I'm not knowledge poisoned by uh, where I just, I know them from osmosis or whatever, but this is, this is not one of those things. Um, I guess it didn't come up in Metal Gear Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say we're out of the, we're out of the Metal Gear Awesome zone. So um, there are some other things that uh, Kenneth Baker kind of brings up because he's very like kind of hostile towards Snake to begin with and and throughout because um, he's like, oh, like you, this is a like, he says like this is a Pentagon cover up kind of thing, like very much trying to be like, hey, Snake, like you know you're not being told the whole story. Um, and as he's like dying, he's like, oh, goddamn you, Jim. Uh, without saying who Jim is, they just like they say like, oh, you know, Jim got me again or whatever. Yeah. And then finally, he also says, you need to call the 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 woman soldier. I don't think he says Meryl. Um, and he's like, Snake's like, what's her her um 
her her frequency and um baker's like uh i forgot whoops uh but it's on the back of the cd case which i wonder uh-huh. if is if that's like a piracy thing like if they were just like trying to negate piracy or what but that's a very funny thing to just be like said out loud in a game of <laughs> like just check the cd case back yeah i I knew about this. I didn't know when it showed up, but I knew that there was a thing where you have to look at the back of the CD case again. This is in uh, Metal Gear Awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, this is why I was like basically surprised to learn in, in this play session that like Metal Gear Awesome only covers the first little bit of the game. Because the way it's kind of, that's presented in Metal Gear Awesome is like, oh, you get to the end of the game and it's like, damn, I don't know how to get past this thing. And the guy's like, oh, you just look at the back of the CD case. Um, but I didn't realize <laughs> it was like this early on. Um, I don't think it would have been anti-piracy because it's a PlayStation game. Maybe if it was, I mean, I do know this had a PC release uh, like after the PlayStation version came out. Um, but if it was if it was like a like PC original release, then that would make sense as like a, a piracy thing because a lot of PC games would have like, oh, like look in the manual for a specific code and or like code phrase after it like props you for it maybe not even like piracy but like secondhand selling or something um i don't know Mm -hmm. but fun fact i actually i did own this uh, on disc back in the day um and i don't know i know i remember what the box looks like and like on the box it literally has like a like a codec conversation of you and meryl it doesn't say like um here's meryl's like call like you have to look at it and look at the pictures and see like oh that's a codec conversation let me look at the the frequency which actually is really cool but i think when i was playing this i think i had gotten rid of the cd case because i was was young and dumb um and we had like Mm. you know like those like cd case binders kind of thing yeah um so i feel like i i ended up having to look up what the what the number was anyway because i was like what or maybe it was something where i was like replaying it like years later or maybe i bought it pre-owned from gamestop or something uh but i remember i feel like i had to look up the 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 frequency uh because i i didn't know yeah i i mean uh we alluded to something that'll be coming up uh, in a future episode with the psychomantis stuff but this is a game that like is like aware uh, or wants you to be aware that it is a video game ultimately um and so that that's what it reads to me is just like it kind of like is a bit of like a narrative puncture to be like kind of takes you out of it for a second to be like hey check the back of the cd case um which i'm not i know enough about metal gear stuff that like that's like a recurring thing like uh hideo kojima liking to like point out to you that you're you're playing a video game um i don't really know how that fits into like the broader uh like apparatus of of what metal gear is if that has like an important thing or that 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 gives you something about how to think about metal gear uh on in a broad sense but i I do know that that like crops up enough and maybe it's just like a fun thing like i guess in this moment it is just like a funny little thing of like oh haha yeah check the back of the cd case for this information i didn't also didn't know it was like he's like oh uh i forgot Like that that was also funny. I do know that it, it is like kind of at the forefront of Metal Gear Solid 2. Um I've it's one of those things that I've seen a lot of like like conjecture of like, oh Hideo really didn't want to make this game, so he was trying to do this to the players. And I, I, I get the same vibes as like, you know, people talking about how Hidekiano made, you know, Ava as like a middle finger to people or or whatever. Um mm-hmm where, you know, it's, like, tenuous and kind of debatable. Um, but in Metal Gear Solid 3, it never really comes up. Metal Gear Solid 4, um, it, it comes up as a gag line at one point. Um, but which so we'll where they mentioned, like, isn't it amazing how much data you could pack onto a Blu-ray disc or something like that? Yeah, where, where in 
where you, yeah, it's like you got to switch over to disc two, and it's like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I I put this more in the in the vein of like Hideo just kind of thinking it's a funny joke, which it is. It's like a funny line of yeah. you know being like, oh yeah, I have to look at the box. It's that's goofy. Which meant I had to Google search uh, Metal Gear Solid CD case back <laughs> or whatever mm. <laughs> uh, to find it. Um, so it would have been more fun if I had a a physical uh, copy of the game, but um, in terms of like we said with some of the psychomanist stuff that's coming up, not the most like, oh god, how am I gonna be able to do this on an emulator kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. like pretty easy to just find that information, and I, I guess I could have just like also just searched like, oh, what's Merrill's codec frequency? Um, but I thought it would be fun to at least like look at the back of the image box and then just go like, oh, yep, sure enough, there it is, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right on the back. Um, I think that's about it for the president baker conversation other than i guess like you know he tells you like oh you need to talk to meryl because like she has the like the three cards to disarm the missile um and then also like you need to talk to hal emmerich uh who was like the head researcher uh for the uh metal gear project that they've been working on um which we'll learn more about him next time but i wasn't sure from the name i was like is that isn't that onicon uh and uh, I guess if you've not played before, uh, tune in next episode to find out the answer to that. Um, but <laughs> and I what does like Otacon mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find God. out all next episode what Otacon means. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have any uh, other things to say about this this chunk of the game? Or shall we call um, it? No, that that basically wraps it up. Uh a nice a nice chunk and we should we should mention uh for this episode and the next like all of this happened over the course of about two hours um so this point like up to this point probably was like an hour and a half and then like the last half hour is like kind of really jam-packed full of stuff um so yeah it's it's this is like a, a dense game it's not that long it's the perfect length six hours you could probably do this in one sitting if i weren't doing this for the podcast i probably would have played through the entire thing in one sitting um the oh and, and something we kind of didn't we kind of brushed over with uh kenneth baker specifically um hideo does love to do like little history lessons in um in his games and that's like a lot of what like the muff the material unaccounted for like it's like cutaways to like you know just general history stuff um sometimes it's fake history within like or in fiction history and then sometimes like it is literally just like oh yeah and then this happened and then that like that resulted in this thing and that that's where that's how it led up to this moment in time now um so kind of keep that in mind going forward for you know all of hideo's stuff like he does love uh kind of stopping the game at points to to bring you a little history lesson which i i i, I like i'm a sucker for but but you know, some people might be like, oh my god, why do I, why am I learning about nuclear disarmament policy? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I like that stuff, and I, I have a note that's like, oh, nice cut to FMV footage of a, of a nuclear missile launch, as he's like yeah. explaining like the, the political state of, uh, nuclear, uh, armed countries in the, in the Cold War era. Um, yeah, that, uh, that'll do it for, do, ugh. That'll do it for us for this episode. Um, next time we will be meeting uh, Hal Emmerich uh, and Otacon. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about the cyborg ninja, uh, and I guess we'll we'll talk about uh, Meryl's uh, uh, cute way of walking <laughs> some more. <laughs> uh, you can follow us officially now on Twitter. Uh, the at is at GrindMyMGS. Apparently grind my metal gears uh was too long for an at that's too many characters <laughs> so grind my mgs um 
We also have an email where you can send us uh, any questions. Um, I guess try to avoid any interesting or blatant spoilers since um, uh, this is my first time going through these games. Um, but feel free to send questions or uh, if you're playing along, shared experiences or anything like that. Uh, the email is grindmymetalgears at gmail.com. Uh, that was fortunately uh, available. Um, if you want to find follow me, you can follow me at chai underscore squared. Um, Danny, where can people find you? You can find me at cover me and sauce on Twitter. Nice. And you can, uh, I'll just plug this since we're, we both do it together. Uh, you can follow our um, other podcast, our sister podcast, uh, Under the Kotatsu. Uh, where you find uh, all your fine podcasts. Uh, that's our anime podcast where we're joined by our friend uh, Danielle to talk about uh, a different anime and kind of like a round-robin uh, book club sort of format um, that is at Under the Kotatsu on Twitter. So until next time, remember to press the action button to drop down. <laughs> <laughs>